Blog Talk Radio. Live from Washington, D.C., it's quintessential listening. Poetry Online Radio. Now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Good evening, everyone. This is Michael Anthony Ingram. Welcome to the program. My very special guest tonight is Shakira Croce. Shakira's new book, Leave It Raw, is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and Finishing Line Press. Shakira, are you with me? Yes. Hi, Dr. Ingram. Thank you so much for Hello, having me. Hello, Shakira. Welcome to the program. Thanks. Right. Let's begin this journey, okay? Sounds great. All right, all right. What is poetry? Oh, wow. Um, poetry, it's its a lot of things. It's, okay. I'd say, I mean, a quick answer would be it's a way to to get to know ourselves better as, as human beings, um, a way to explore our humanity. Um, for me, that reading poetry, I was always drawn to writing and loved reading at a very young age. Uh, so the reading process is a way for for someone to really get get into the words that the writer or the artist is putting on the page. Um, and then also for me, the uh, the writing process, like any form of creative expression, is it's just so important, especially now, to just kind of pick apart um, things we might notice in our lives or that are going on around us and just kind of connect um, connect that to ground yourself in it and um, connect it to the page and then, then kind of share it with, with the world, really. Very nice. Very nice. What was an early experience where you learned that poetic language had power? Hmm. Um, yeah, the, poetry is so powerful. It can, it can definitely, more and more, I mean, just I'm thinking recently, uh, it can be such a powerful advocacy tool. Um, but early on, I read a lot of, I think Sylvia Plath was one of my favorite poets when I had first started getting into poetry and uh, connecting to to a woman's voice and having hearing that struggle of trying to navigate the professional world, um, personal world, uh, becoming having responsibilities of becoming a, a mother figure, or, um, what society might expect of you. Um, that was something that kind of to me too, but I think that just fundamentally it's about giving giving a voice and bringing out that voice, and it is essentially a human voice. But you know, there's also different identities that can really speak to different communities in very special ways. All right, very nice, very nice. What are some of the predominant themes of your work? Sure, I have a few themes. Uh, I mean, I definitely write from a woman's perspective. Uh, my recent collection I was working on for close to 10 years and it kind of traces my personal life from being you know, in my early and mid twenties to navigating, moving from, moving from Georgia up to New York City and getting my bearings there and my finding myself and professionally and personally um, falling in love and then starting to have a family. I have a son now who's almost two. So I, this poetry okay. book kind of covers my early pregnancy and kind of thinking about motherhood as well. Um, so that's definitely a dominant theme in my work. And otherwise there's just a lot of images and experiences that come up um, different land backdrops and landscapes from being in New York city or being in a, rural area, um, the, being in nature, that was always really important to me. I always try to find, I always try to get outside when I can and just, you know, finding bits of 
lived experience in um, in the natural world and uh, and also music. A lot of my poetry has some musical imagery. I studied I studied um, flute performance in college, and my husband mm. is a jazz play, bass player, so music's definitely a big part of my life, and that I think also comes through in some of my work. All right, please share one of your works. Sure, I'll start. I think with um, with one of my earlier works, um, kind of when I was moving up from from Georgia to New York, and it does kind of touch on those that musical imagery. It's called uh, Blue Ridge Mountain Runaway. High cries broke from that salt beaded neck above splintered hands dangling on strings. Now rest hush in moonshine between bar lines as lead begins to drift. We escaped on the trail of rhapsody to the crossroads of flattened steps until the air had a bite facing an aeolian hall. You reworked the elements and shot into a deep, heavy dazzle, slapping guts, beating petticoats to pop, and shed away to flaps. And mine fell in the middle of waves of underwire domes weighted in their seats, hissing what good will come since we began with that form. But as you bend over me, my arms lift up and open as if none of us have ever done this before. Thank you. Mm. How does a poem begin for you? With an idea, a form, or an image? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I sit down to write, I try to sit down and just put something on paper as often as I do, or if a thought will kind of come to me and I think, oh, that's a good starting point, maybe later when I have a minute to sit and write. Um, it usually is an image or an experience that happens. Um, for, for example, um, you know, even in that that last poem, um, just watching um, watching someone play like the double bass and the movement of um, of fingers against the um, against the board and and how much strength and power that has um, was was part of it. But yeah, a lot of my poems will start with either noticing, observing something around me, um, either in in my daily life or something will come back to me from even a several years ago and then I'll just kind of sit and see what other thoughts come out of that it could it then kind of takes shape um usually that thought will bring about some kind of emotion or experience that happened or several experiences and then the theme will kind of emerge for the for the poem all right you know all great writers have great writing influences who are some of yours, and what makes them great in your eyes? Sure. Uh, so, some of, aside from Sylvia Plath, another writer who I grew up with quite a bit was Flannery O'Connor. Um, another, she not not as much poetry, but her short stories are really brilliant. And um, she was in Georgia as well, so a lot of that landscape really uh, spoke to me. Um, as I've gone on, um, I've read some recent work by um, Arlie Sheehan and Julian Weiss. They're um, two poets who uh, who really experiment with the traditional form and also kind of go more into prose. And I really like the idea of kind of storytelling and things that are grounded in um, that you can really palpable lived experience. So I'm kind of drawn to that work as well. Very nice. Please share another of your works. Sure. I'll um I'll go into one that was also kind of one of my earlier ones, kind of I spoke about coming up to the city and navigating that landscape and failing or 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 not and having confidence or not in your early and mid twenties. So uh this one's called Venus Out on the Town. Yes, you may buy me a drink. It has been a long week for me, too. At work trading, you said? 
No, you haven't had much experience in social enterprise. Isn't it great we live in a country where you and your partners can pull such fine bootstraps? One of the brightest in the night, yes, I've been told I have a nice smile, among other things. Your lines show in a few more years, your advances will be harmless, cute even. Thank you for the champagne. What did you say your name was? You were telling me something about your problem of being unable to find a good dry cleaner for your white button down. Yes, I'll have another. About your travels in Italy, did you see the naked being captured in mar marble by so many chiseled arms as she reaches above her alabaster gasp into the open air? You were telling me something. She was much younger anyway. She told you it was over. You drink too much. No wonder you can't get it up. Sorry, that was a cheap shot. I don't know why I can be so defensive. Never mind. You were telling me something. I feel like it involved pills or dollars and seeking counsel. Of course you had no idea. Excuse me, I don't mean to leave now. When we've just met and you've bought me so many drinks. It's just that the French student across from us, I've been eyeing with the carnation lips and butt over his heart, has just gone to smoke. And I wonder what I'm missing. Maybe because there's something about this time of night ebbing like foam on the sea. Wow. Let's take a brief break and we'll be right back. Okay. The call-in number is 646-787-1631. Shakira. Yes. <laughs> your poetry, based on what I've heard and read, there's a lot of emotion, a lot of emotion. Or To me, as a reader, mm -hmm. there's a lot of emotion. Mm -hmm. Do you think someone could be a poet if they don't feel strong emotions? Sure. I, I think there are so many different um, perspectives and, and forms in poetry. Um, mine, I think, yes, definitely there's there's a lot of emotion that comes from it. It's really deeply personal, and um, and it might strike you that way as a reader, but, um, but I don't think it necessarily, poetry needs to have a, that's right, it needs to have some type of emotional core, but... Um, but different poems could also speak to you in different ways. It might trigger an emotional response. It might trigger a stronger intellectual response or you're really curious about the form. It could just be funny. Um, there, there are a lot of different, um, different ways that poetry can exist and bring out different things in people, which is why it's so great. Mm. The different ways that poetry can bring out things in people. I like that because it's so important to, to think about mm -hmm. that because it means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. It does. Where do you hail from, Shakira? I'm in uh, in Brooklyn, New York. So I've um, been in New York City for the past 15 years. Before that, um, mm. I grew up in Georgia, and I was um, born in upstate New York. How has living in... New York, in Brooklyn. How's that influenced your writing? It's definitely a lot of my poetry, especially in this collection, uh, is does have that kind of city back, backdrop. Uh, living in New York City, uh, when you're not social distancing, which is when this um, poetry collection was written, you're 
I was riding the subway every day and you're just kind of your senses are on overload almost all the time. There's just so much mm. going on, mm. such a energy and just, you know, you have an interest and you want to see music or something and there's a million different places to go or things to choose from, um, which is one of the reasons why I love it. And it definitely, I think, seeps through in some of my work. There'll be, there's just so many images that'll kind of come to light even after the end of the week. It'll be like I kind of finally sit down and think about you know, what I, what struck me from the week, no matter, you know, how insignificant it might seem. It's just kind of living there. It's just a meaning. All right. Please share another poem. Uh, let me do one. Um, might do one that has a little bit more of a, the cityscape. I work um, as assistant director for uh, not-for-profit health plans for people living with HIV. Um, wow. And this poem, yeah, it's, it's very it's so important. Um, you know, just connecting people to access to healthcare, as we've seen, and people, specifically people who qualify for Medicaid on HIV, so you know, people who um, are experiencing extreme poverty and food insecurity and health, unstable housing. Um, that's really the sector I work with. So it's um, not that this poem gets into all of that, but it was kind of inspired by just thinking about the history of the HIV epidemic and. Um, and where we are now, and, you know, it's, it's a lot to think about. So this is called Our Song. Empty cars held us in the pale gray turning to square lights of the city. The ambulance driver steps out to smoke, tapping ashes on Park Avenue. It came from Desert Storm, and you keep it still stamped, colors faded and oblivious, lying next to a half-empty pillbox. You choose the music tonight. It's as simple as offering protection from a line on the rise in another CDC report failing to remind us it's no longer a death sentence. Sometimes we can forget it all, put our song on repeat and dance, swinging arms around each other, hearts beating wildly. There's a greater communication in that movement of the hips, straighter than a needle and wider than a lover's exhale to reach the knees. That was beautiful. Yeah. They say that to see the world with complete honesty, one should look to comedians, artists, and poets. What do you think emerges naturally from your work? What what happens with your work? How does it emerge? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the first word that came to mind was honesty. Um, I think... My my poetry and I, I mean all art really comes from a place of like kind of trying to find your true self and trying to communicate that with whoever your audience is as, as best as you can and then you know they can the audience can take away um, what they'd like but I think honesty it's definitely personal and I hope um, you know I hope it does speak to some people's experience, whether it's to inspire, helping someone get through an emotion or get through the day or a hard time in their lives or, um, or inspire them to do something, some creative of their own um, or anything in between, you know, as long as the work speaks to you, um, speaks to the audience. I think it's really, it's been a success. So I hope mine does All right. some of that. <laughs> Okay, okay, very nice, very nice. As you think about it, all poets have several words that come up over and over again, words or sentences that they just can't help but use in their work. What are three of your absolute favorite words to use? Yeah, I try to always, I try to keep my vocabulary is as diverse as possible and kind of vary the words I'm using, but I've noticed that an, an image that kind of always ends up working its way into my poetry is like our trees, um, whether it's just kind of the 
the word limbs, um, like limbs of a tree and also just limbs of people kind of making the connection between different living things I've, I've found kind of works its way into my work a lot. Um, different mm -hmm. images in nature that um, I identify a lot with, um, with the living world and not, you know, not necessarily just other people or other animals, but you know, just all the natural world. The natural world. I like the natural world. <laughs> <laughs> I like the natural world. Please share another poem. Sure, let I'm me. Fascinated um, by your work. Please share. Oh, that. thank you. <laughs> I'll share one um, that does kind of make that that connection with the trees. It's a little bit um, a little bit darker. I was kind of writing it in response to um, some some of the one of the instances of police violence um, that sparked the Black Lives Matter movement um, that's been going on. But this is. This is called Break from the Headlines. Leaving time on the end table, the mother went out with the neighborhood to watch them bring down the oak. Strings from the block party still clung to their limbs, winter morning light giving their naked dark brown a faint purple glow. Someone on the street called in the professionals who roped each one to the ground saying, there's no way to know how long some have been standing there, already dead, even more dangerous than the living. Readying the blade, they struck quickly. Barks flattered toward the others, leaning back with the weight of their bodies until metal hit the core. Without a pause, they cut in deeper. When, louder than a gunshot, the first fell. The next one, younger, dropped faster. Too many to count splintered and collapsed down the pavement like thunder. Then a hush, save for the toddler, who no one heard had been wailing. It was then, the mother realized, a tear had broken from her lower lashes, running to rest on her cheek. She had been out there with the others in the cold and was too numb to notice. Thank you. Wow. Do you write, in terms of your process, pen and paper, computers, notebooks? How do you write? Yeah, it's a bit of everything. I think I um, I prefer to write on the computer. I my work with the um, with the health plan. I'm the um, communications director, so I I'm doing a lot of writing during the day. So it's kind of my natural tool. But sometimes, um, like when I was commuting in, I would even just think of something while I'd be on the train and kind of jot down notes on my iPhone or you know, if I want to be outside, I'll just grab a notebook and, you know, walk to the park and try to jot down things from there. So it's just kind of wherever and whenever I get a chance. But I think I also when I come back and sit and do the editing, it's um, usually on my computer. All right. So on the computer. Please share another poem. Sure. Um, I'll do, um, do one called Searchlight. Turning madly, mutely, with 120 volts, fastened to the ground the coy bonnet fidgets, streaming them lucidly to fortune and target. Blades plunge deeper into foreign territory, with spraying bootstraps, inching into blackness, digging hastily before history remembers them ghosts. Others, entrenched together, chins wet with sludge, firing in a faraway land, a final moan. Faces blown right down to the bone. A seven-year-old girl with a six-week-old scar asks, why do they sing and many more with black and blue eyes on her birthday? Let's change the subject to the translation of the blockbuster to think there's ar it's already bringing in millions, how many billions more could be made. Everyone must find out about it. Flashy promos for the biggest stars. There should be si signs and lights. But how do you penetrate the dark between naked maple's limbs, waiting to be coated in ice? Again. Wow. Let's take a brief break and we'll be right back.
You are listening to Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio. I'm Michael Ingram. I'm here with Shakira Croce. Shakira, mm-hmm. as you think about poetry, what makes a poem good? I know it's a subjective question, but what do you think makes a poem good? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, you know, I can say good or bad. Um, I know if it if it speaks to me, I I really love it, and I can read it and reread it. Um, yeah, I guess when when you asked before what um, what I hope to convey in my poetry, honesty, I think you know it has to come from a place of being honest and trying at least trying to find your true self um, to be you know a really good piece of art um, and just kind of exploring your creative expression, of course, uh, but conveying again that sense of humanity is. Um, that's so important and what might make it um, a really great work. All right. You know, so much is happening in the world today. Mm-hmm. Today we saw something happen in terms of the, the Senate and the House of Representatives. And, and mm-hmm. I mean, there's so much happening, pandemic, you name it. Mm-hmm. What do you view as being the role of a poet in modern day society? Yeah, uh, well, a, a poet like any any artist, anyone grounded in the creative world, really has to have a footing in in what's going on around um, around you as well. Especially if there's injustice and and things that you feel strongly about that you need to speak out about. Um, I I chose you know a profession where I can do that in my daily work, but uh, it's also just because poetry and art is a practice and something that you, the artist would love and, you know, pour love into and, and something you do as often as possible. So I think that has to have an awareness of what's going on around you. And again, it's a platform and it's a way to, to give a voice or a spotlight where things might not necessarily be given the proper attention so it's you know, using your voice to the best of your ability and um, a lot of that would some some more strongly than others would take some form of an advocate voice you know I didn't ask you whether you came from a literary background or not a little bit my uh, my parents were both public school teachers and um, my father uh, he actually had a he was a uh, play director, so he really encouraged my reading, kind of um, reading some some plays as well, like Samuel Beckett and Arthur Miller. Um, and I, uh, when I went to college, I went to Sarah Lawrence College. That's what kind of brought me north from Georgia for my undergrad. And I was really drawn to that school because um, they are so strong in writing. It's um, you only have a couple of classes and you don't have any exams. It's really just, you have these big conference papers that you can just kind of dive into and uh, mm-hmm. it's really focused on reading and writing. So um, yeah, so that was kind of my initial background and, um, and definitely a lot of you know, self-education with reading as much as possible as well. All right. You know, some poets claim that a poem is like a living creature speaking of the natural world once it's out of their system, there's not much that you can do to correct or improve it, while others edit meticulously, not leaving much from the original draft form. What is your take on it? Mm-hmm. I, I'd say I'm somewhere in the middle, personally. I know it, you know different processes work for different artists. Um, I definitely think it's important to, to get out um, as much on the page as you can initially, Um and then I always kind of will, will I'll work on it, make sure I've gotten everything out with whatever I'm working out with that poem and idea and experience. Um, and then I'll always make a point of being away from the work for a while. And that might be a couple of days or a week or a month. And then I'll come back and do some editing. And my work kind of varies from poems. I haven't edited much at all in others. Um, have been working and reworking and taking things out or putting them into a different form. Um, 
So it all just kind of depends on what I'm trying to work through. You know, as I, I'd like to focus on your book for a second, for a minute, for more than a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy you, Shakira. Thank you so much for being with me tonight. <laughs> the highlight of my week. The highlight of my week. <laughs> what does being creative mean to you? Yeah. Um, well, we're, we can all be creative, um, and we all have talent. Um, it's kind of cultivating our interests and, and our natural ability. Um, but, like, yeah, just kind of the creative process, like we were talking about, um, that initial just getting out. Like, I think one of the reasons why I was so drawn to poetry um, is my, my profession. I love things, but I will be writing a lot of nonfiction, you know, press releases or pieces for a website or pieces to communicate with members what's, what's going on. So, um, you know, pieces for newspapers, so a lot of um, important work and kind of journalism style, but um, it doesn't leave as much room for creativity, although, you know, some of it is creative and crafting the right words and sentences that'll mobilize people. Um, so I was drawn to poetry to kind of do that creative process, just kind of see what what does pour out of you um, at different points in your life. Uh, so so yeah, being creative, I think just kind of getting back to what whatever is right for you at the time and um, letting it flow. You know, when you think of your book, Leave It Raw, do you view it as being creative? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> I, um, okay. I, um, <laughs> Tell me a little bit why. It, it, it did come from that. Um, I was working full time the whole the whole time I was um, writing it, so it came from that want to you know sit down and have that creative outlet. Um, you, know, you know, taking pieces of my life and putting them on paper, and actually um, the editing process was I did during my maternity leave. So I had finally all of this collection of, of poems and I finally had a chance to, maybe I didn't feel as creative with not getting any sleep, you know, with a newborn, but, um, but I had a little time, you know, during his naps to like try to sort through my poetry, do a little bit more editing on specific poems, put, put them into a, um, a flow that I thought made sense. So, um, so yeah, so that was the you know less creative, more tedious work, right. the editing, but the yeah the poetry itself I think came from a very creative place. Very nice, very nice. You know, writers and poets write for a myriad of reasons. Some write primarily to speak a message to their audience. Others write because to stay silent is not an option. Why do you write? Yeah, I mean, definitely staying silent isn't an option. Really speaks to me. Um, both in both in my professional and my my poetry, um, I I love writing. I have the talent for writing. I feel like I need to convey you know messages as, and communicate things as best I can. So it's definitely you know important not to be silent if you have that um, if you have that in you. And we we all do. We have that bit of bit of real raw humanity and bit of creativity in each of us and you know just kind of bringing that out to our full potential and sharing it with others is, is so important you know when you think about your book leave it raw what surprised you the most about writing it it, it was i mean it was a long process so not not so many surprises, but um, I guess I was surprised when I was looking through the whole collection of how it did have that narrative arc about, you know, how I really could trace my life. And it just, I feel like, you know, the voice is, hasn't really changed throughout the collection and, um, you know, the style or the experiences. I experimented with some forms, but, um, but you know, it's still the same voice, but how it just kind of tracks the growth um, of myself as a a woman and an artist and a, a poet um, through that time, I think that's what struck me is how closely it was tied to um, my own life personally. 
All right, very nice. Please share another poem. Sure. Um, I'll share one um, a little bit earlier. I had uh, gone through a house fire in Georgia. I actually went through another fire when I was living in the city, so I haven't written about it much, even though it's such a big part of my life because it's such an emotional thing and it's hard to you know tie things too closely to emotion if you're trying to convey a real piece of art um but this is one that kind of um touches on that experience it's called the remains with a pink sundress on a hazy august afternoon she waves him over to what's left of her porch already looking her way through fireflies starting to drink sprinklers he jogs to her hopelessly rubbing sunscreen on his front chest. Would you help me pick through this? She motions to cardboard boxes, holding the remains of yesterday's fire. Pieces of china, her miniature collection, photo albums, notebooks buried in dark. He wants him to tell her they can't be saved. Her mother's sugar bowl, a white cat, hasn't been found. The wall by the corner cupboard went down first. It could have been worse, he says, scratching soot off a porcelain doll, trying not to look at her nipple slightly covered in cotton, which wouldn't have surprised the parents on their street, the Confederate flags who whispered about her black fingernails and mesh covering too much cleavage. Before graduation, they'd talk into the night about moving to the Capitol, made to live closely, even room together, taking turns making dinner, mixing their colors in white. On the train home one day, a careless passenger might push her nylon thighs into them. Instead, they found work in town and settled at home, wondering how the fire could have started. Until she changes the subject to their childhood, he gave her his red balloon once on her fifth birthday when her purple one flew out the window. But as soon as she took hold of the string, a gust of wind drifted out of her hand and up into the sky. It was the first time the two of them, after a pause, stopped and looked deep and breathless into each other's eyes and laughed. Tell me about the title of your book, Leave It Raw. I mean, that Mm -hmm. really struck me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it actually, um, one of the poems I haven't read yet, but I'd like to read, um, it it comes from a line in that poem, and um, it comes from an image that... um, and it were an experience that keeps coming back to me too in my personal life and writing. Um, we used to visit a, a Caribbean restaurant going up, growing up um, when I was very little. This was, I think, before I was even seven or eight. And there was um, a woman in the corner called Grandma Sims. Everyone kind of knew her as Grandma Sims. And she taught me how to plait, like rope um, with pieces of palm, so dried palm. Mm-hmm. So I would sit with her while my parents were eating for hours and she just would teach me how to plaid and talk. And she wasn't talkative, but she'd just say little bits of wisdom throughout that. So, um, so it comes from the, the raw palm that I, you know, I weave this plait with her for, you know, for a whole summer almost and never kind of put it into a basket, which was, she always made these incredible baskets and hats and things. Um, so I finally got, you know, my long plat done, but never really made it into anything. Um, but there's a kind of beauty in that. So, yeah, I'll, I'll share that poem with you if you'd like. Yeah, will you share it now? Sure. It's, um, it's called Cycle. Motherhood reaches out from the periphery, inaudible, as a rush of feathers signals the flock plunging toward the tree line of pines puncturing the biting sky. They stand stiff, expectant of ice that will edge along their needles and curves of the great lake. She rocks in my memory in the corner of the bar, guiding my fingers through strands she gave me. We weave the most incredible plait and leave it raw, unsown straw running across tile. A desire to want to produce my own little girl before she's gone, rose, as the dried palm now hangs in my closet, coiled around old boxes of newspapers. We shove them back further back to clear, space for baby things. Thank you. 
you know, I never would have thought that the title of your collection <laughs> meant what you shared. I would have never picked that up. Never. I no, thought I, just being a, 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 a reader that, well, just seeing the initial title that you were discussing, leaving it raw, the bruises of the world. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Yeah. I mean, that's where it came from, but, you know, it was kind of like what, I was thinking about a title, it's like what is a, you know, a line or an image that kind of means more than, you know, what I just told you where it the original right. it originated from um, has you know kind of mm-hmm. a deeper meaning, like you just said. Yeah. So, yes, that was definitely you know, mine. Well, I think about the titles of your works, mm-hmm. and to me, they're amazingly detailed. What role should a title play in a poem? Mm, yeah, I usually think of the title. It might even be way after I finished the poem um, to kind of sit with it and see what that theme was that I was, you know, thinking about. I try not to have it tell too much or, um, you know, be too, too detailed, but it will kind of, yeah, you know, give some interest, but convey a deeper meaning, kind of like the the title of the book. Um, Yeah, just kind of a phrase or an image or um, a feeling that that you might want to explore in the poem. And I love poetry that have titles where you know, I'm not really sure what it means, and then I read the poem and it's like, I had no idea that that's where that was going, but you know, <laughs> the title made sense. So, so that's, yeah, something you can talk about. Please share another of your works. Okay. Uh, this is called Homecoming. It's about finding the space to bring out what's already inside you. Half listening to the teacher, she clenches bubble gum between her teeth, removing it discreetly to study their imprint on the fluffy pink. Sits in the back row, likely from the same hard-on that pressed against her yesterday. She tries to ignore a chiclet stuck in her hair, focusing on the clock. Winter light streams down through the clouds, signaling their release. She locks and relocks her stall, hurrying to change. Their coach was wary of the community's reaction, but on her second year of tryouts, she made the team and helped two friends make the cut by reminding them to smile from the bottom of the pyramid. King and Queen walk down the 50-yard line, but she feels the arena of eyes still on her. From parade rest, the band snaps up, stepping into formation to the beat of the snare. And for a moment, she is lost, to the crowd in a mass of uniforms, seen as one body of color, marching off the great field together. Yeah. Does writing energize or exhaust you? Definitely energizes me. That's why I try to, it's almost, it's like an exercise, like, you know, you work yourself up to do it, but you have more energy and feel better um, afterwards. So, and something I just try to do even initially there was a lot of pressure of like wanting to create this poem every time I sat down or wanting to create this piece but um, I pretty soon told myself just you know write anything if it doesn't turn into anything that's fine just to kind of but just sit down and write um, and yeah it's just, it definitely energizes me and puts things in a different and helps me get through the the rest of the day or or however mm. long it is until I can sit down again. <laughs> As you think about your work, what is the most difficult part of the artistic process? Uh, editing is definitely hard. Editing your own work, like I I do a lot of editing of other people's work in my job, and that comes really easily to me. Again, I'll have to really step away from because it's like, you know, cut, taking away your baby or, you know, taking pieces out of your work is hard because sometimes it's like the section that you'll come up with just doesn't, it takes away from the piece as a whole. Um, and that's kind of hard to recognize and to edit out yourself. Um, so that's mm-hmm. the most challenging. But um, again, I've found that taking, just taking, space away from the poem and then physical space and then coming back 
and giving it time um, helps with that process. All right. Share another poem. Um, I'll share one called um, called uh, On a Familiar Ride. This kind of goes back to the cityscapes we talked about earlier. We entered Union to take a familiar ride, and still we missed our stop. Were we too busy averting our eyes from paint-splattered jeans, greasy belts, and gold ring wrists lining the rail? Diesel mixed with Chanel made us tear up. Had it been so long since our soles clacked on white marble between rows of heels and ties while air played from the organ? Harold came too soon with a plague of plastic cups. We squeezed in, cringing, waiting for bodies to enter before the closing door. Fishnets pressed against our pole, and we wondered if it was midnight. When I used to sing, my teacher said my head should feel like the dome of a church, but I was busy dreaming of the long train I always wanted. Ready to cross the East River, we studied magnified black lungs and red-patched feet above us, with a number claiming to have a cure. Preteens stumbled down the aisle freely, swinging their legs around the bars and shaking coins. They pushed us between guns and stuck on the How strange it was as we glided between the others. We didn't even notice that we were walking arm in arm above the bones of Crete. Their names and dates moved with steps and faded. Above ground, we were almost home, where seagulls shook their weight in anticipation on the post as if they saw our rides were limited. Even though we knew the sound of wheels like running water, our eyes closed and heads nodded, limbs hanging heavily entwined. We had the same dream then, we found out later, of leaving the ceremony with cheers and confetti, and the ride took us along to the end of the line without us knowing, in the empty car together. Thank you. I think your work is fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and it yeah. is available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at Finishing Line Press. If you had to convince a friend or colleague to purchase your book, what would you share with them? Oh, um, well, I hope <laughs> I hope they purchase it <laughs> Be my friend. Um, no, I hope that it, it would kind of. I mean, I still don't think there are enough women's voices out there, no matter okay. what the genre. Um, and again, mine, I think, definitely has um, that perspective and that voice um naturally um and you know just kind of reading I, it's it's important since there aren't aren't as many of those voices out there to you know listen when you have the opportunity to so um mm-hmm. i'd say that would be one reason all right all right all right how do you as an author handle a bad review of your work Uh, I guess I'm pretty used to criticism. Um, okay. <laughs> and just, you know, kind of like, that sounds so funny to say. Yeah, finding a good fight, um, kind of fighting for the underdog, or you know, or, or for okay. causes that might not be the popular choice. Um, mm-hmm. It's been something I've always done. So I would be used to, you know, people who might not get it or or share the same, you know, reaction that, um, that I, I think is right. So, you know, I would, it, it depends on what's said, if it's a thoughtful review or not. Um, but, you know, I'd always try to go back to my core and my truth and, and focus on the good things that are, are being said, because, you know, you reach one person, if one person says like that line or that, that poem really inspired, inspired me or really helped me out. Um, and that kind of makes it worth it, just reaching one person in a positive way. Where does your book fit into your career as a writer? Yeah, well, this is my, my first published poetry collection, so this is kind of my early 
earliest. Um, I, I had published individual <laughs> poems before this, um, but I think this is, it definitely bookends my, um, my young adult life. And then um, I hope it's kind of the, the beginning. At the beginning, you know, your work is really personal. Have you ever thought about writing under a pseudonym? No, I've never thought of that. I really like my name, so I, I stuck with that. <laughs> it is a nice name. <laughs> it is a nice name. I like it too. It is a nice name. <laughs> Share another poem. <laughs> um, this one is called um, Old Love Notes. Washing down tonight with bourbon like great grandfather. After they buried great-grandmother and the kids moved north with families of their own, the duo strums away in G, resting after the bridge. It's been years since I never became the famous pianist my parents said I'd be. Singing the refrain, glass clinks against the speaker, managing not to break this time. I don't play often now or go out on the fire escape anymore, remaining in, scrolling through feeds and down status updates. There's a web of possibilities to plan one last, one's last words. Limit and direct your characters at someone well-liked, and you'll go viral, runner-up to immortal. Unlike the letters and cards I saved to be lost one day, forgotten in a box under my bed. Closing windows, I'm left with how it might have been if I ever saw you again. We would have surely hiked together to the top of a great green mountain, Snapping and sharing beautiful pictures before the descent. Thank you. Okay. How active are you on social media? Well, for work, I manage our social media. So personally, I kind of tune out. I'm not as active as I should be. I have a a Facebook that I've had from the beginning, which anyone can connect with pretty open. Um, And I've kind of used that. Um, I haven't gone into the other social Mm -hmm. sites because I'm kind of burnt out from my regular work. But definitely you can connect with me on Facebook. All right, very nice, very nice. Share another poem. We're on the verge of finishing tonight, but I want you to share at least three more poems. So okay. <laughs> if, you, if you're willing. Sure, yeah, I'd love to. Thank you. Um, this one's called Last Movement. Remember the night we met, playing with wine, callous fingers, walking down the neck, keeping time to whales from the sack? I didn't keep it a secret that just a few years before, I was young enough to spend hours reaching up for honeysuckle, flowers peeking through the playground fence, to pluck and pinch them, pulling out their insides, and tasting the bit of sweetness at the tip. The last year in the schoolyard, they announced he had found himself somehow right between the mother bear and her cub. The same year as the Chianti we sipped that night, I told you, and you took my number anyway. On the last day of class, all of us picked caterpillars near the tree line to take home. But after carrying mine through the tiled halls, I snuck back out and let him go. Riding with you in the cut grass and hills of the winding country, I wonder if anyone passing before us thought to look back and save the box turtle while his head hovered over the white line, testing the road he intended to cross. Thank you. And I can um, I can read another that um, that I wrote kind of towards one of the last ones I wrote towards the end of this collection um, during my pregnancy. Um, it's called Prelude. My voice changed, softened upon the first view of that beginning of a human, sparked from the part of the mind that lights when recognizing the scent of late summer seaweed. Feet dash across my split abdominal wall as a chain of ants works its way along the oak's trunk. I grasp your forearm while the probe circles beneath him, trying to relax with the safety of knowing these movements are protected by layers of tissue. How long will it be before the colony no longer needs that old bark and abandons their trail? Seasons alternate and blades make their way up through concrete Sure as the small steps seem to echo through our room. At the back of an antique store, we find the same creamer my grandmother used. 
My son might hold wonder for it like I did growing up, confiding in a round glassy figure, or at least I can house it on the bottom of the china cabinet, save it from a quiet crumble. That was really nice. Thank you. Really nice. Please, please share another. I don't want you to stop. Please share another. No. <laughs> Thanks. Um, this is called uh, Pilgrimage. We can make up time in the air, the captain explained, or at least that's what I understood between the fuzzy intercom and broken English. Not mentioning we'd lose six hours crossing the Atlantic. They say animals have a different internal thought about feeling passing weeks and years. Yet the butterfly with its hair across her right wing returns that each day to that same turn in the road, starting between rosemary and dandelions drying in the honeyed weeds. The sense of smell is the strongest for all of us to find food, a partner. Flowers waiting to procreate on a cliff above the sea bring me back to where I was born. After spending a lifetime thousands of miles away, that simple power lets me know my home is not where I live, but a long climb up from Roman rocks and ruins to the stuff springing from untet earth. Thank you. You know, as you think about your work, and I guess primarily as you think about your work, what piece of advice would you give to your readers? And you may have already answered that question in a different form, but what would you give, what type of advice or piece of advice, again, would you give to your readers? Uh, just, I think, listen. Um, it, listening, we can, listening to ourselves, listening to what you're reading, um, reread, listen again, um, I think is so important and something that, that can kind of get lost now when there's so much being thrown at us. Um, not so much in a, not saying an escape, but a, a listening, just being present and listening can do so much for the soul. Mm. Listening can do so much for the soul. <laughs> I agree 100%. I agree 100%. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you as we close out, and we're going to close out here, what's next for you as a writer? Where do you go from here? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm, I'm keep, I keep writing as much as I can, and um, it's definitely taking new form and new themes now. So, I'm building up my next kind of collection to start submitting to, um, to magazines again, and build up another, um, another collection of poetry. Now, are you a member of a writing community? Uh, somewhat, yeah. I I do have a few poets that I'm friends with in Brooklyn. It's a great community for that. Um, I'm always kind of trying to connect with other authors and other writers. It's it's so refreshing to just kind of talk with people about their work and get that other perspective and get out of your head is um is so great. So yeah. All right, very nice. I'd like to thank you for being my guest tonight. Your Thank book you is so Leave It Raw. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and at Finishing Line Press. Again, I say thank you. I believe that you have a very bright future because I thoroughly enjoyed reading your work and listening to you share your work. You're incredible. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. It was so wonderful talking to you. Well, all right. Have a great evening. And to our listening thank audience, you. we'll be back next week. Take care. Good night. You have just listened to the Quintessential Listening Poetry Online Radio Podcast with your host, Dr. Michael Anthony Ingram. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And make sure to catch our next episode.